Perhaps uh, one of the most famous novels in Spanish literature is Cervantes' Don Quixote. Don Quixote is, is an older nobleman who has lost his mind. And his peculiar kind of insanity is that he wants to keep the traditional ideas of knighthood in an era in which they already gone by, in the Renaissance when so many scientific, political uh, changes are going on, and it's, it's a new world in a cultural sense. So Don Quixote, in his humorous kind of mad madness, sets out with his arm-bearer, Sancho Panza, to, to defend the weak and to you know, fight for the cause of justice. So he engage, engages in combat with windmills, thinking they are giants attacking a city, or he saves people that really don't need to be saved. And at the end of the book, there's this fascinating passage. Don Quixote has been badly beaten, and the concussion, someone has restored his mind. So he wakes up, and he is back to normal, and he recognizes all the crazy things he's been doing. So he says, I just stay home. Well, and then everybody around him who've been fighting for him, for him to stay home are now disillusioned. And they come to him and say, Lord, sir, who will fight for the weak now? Who will defend the defenseless? We have to go and, and defend justice. And so they are, in a sense, regretting that he's now recovered. Well, and many commentators say that these voices in Cervantes' work are the voices of the people of his own generation, which in a way they felt very comfortable in their pragmatic world of economics and politics and diplomacy and science. But at the same time, they felt this nostalgia for the chivalrous ideals of the former times. And they didn't quite know how to solve that tension. They sensed that any solution in the world had to be very pragmatic. It had to be achieved by skilled leader, leaders. And at the same time, they felt disillusioned by their leaders. They somehow didn't have the spiritual backbone that was needed for the, for the solutions to work. And I think this is related to the feast we celebrate today of Christ the King, because Sending his son as the king of the universe is God's solution to this tension between being too pragmatic and too idealistic. It seems that in our kind of leadership, we always struggle to merge these two. And this is the way in which God has solved it, because obviously Jesus is the son of the father, and he can never be corrupted or confused or spiritually weak. He will lead in the right direction. And at the same time, he is very concrete in many things. He touches the earth. He's very, a visible example for us. So he combines those two extremes. And yet, it is strange that this king is the one king who refused to be invested in government, to, be, to, be, uh, uh, to take office. He declined, he explicitly declined political leadership. He came down from heaven very close to earth, but somehow he stayed a bit above the ground. He didn't stay as our president, our king. And you may say, ask why? 
Why he, didn't he do that? Wouldn't he be an excellent governor for Israel and for many countries? For sure. But if he didn't do that, there's a reason for it. And I think it is that there is so much political leadership can do. See, the, the ultimate root of our problems is spiritual. It's a, that we are spiritually broken. It's not that we don't have the right technology or the right laws or the right um, leaders. Of course, we can always improve in those areas. But the problem is that spiritual brokenness. And so if we keep trying to provide technological or political solutions to that problem, they will always disappoint. They will never achieve that. Because we want those things to solve a problem they have no way to solve. You know, somehow we're all, I think we're always tempted as human beings to think that someone will come up with a system that is fed with flawed human beings and produces a perfect society. And it doesn't work. It's an impossible equation. It's a squared circle. At times do we think this, that if we had a more inclusive system, if we had less discrimination against minorities, if human life was respected across the board, if we had better trade deals, if we had less crime in our streets, do, you think, do we think that that will be the kingdom of God? For sure, it wouldn't be bad for starters, right? But you could have all those things and still live in many irrational fears, as Father Ivan was speaking to us last Sunday. You could still be very lazy and do social media for hours, you could still find no sense of purpose in your life. We could still feel very isolated and find no true friends or nobody who cares for me. You know, we could live in a country that worked like clockwork and still be immersed in all these dysfunctions in our personal lives, in our relationships. Okay, but you might also ask this one. Since Jesus is the one who can address all the spiritual problems. Couldn't he have merged both solutions? Couldn't he have merged the spiritual and the political solutions all in one? Yes, in, in a sense, God is God. God can do anything, right? But I think there, there's a reason why he didn't. Because even if these two spheres, the spiritual, the political, need to have points of contact, they work differently. They have different methods, and that's why it's very hard to really merge them. The political realm, the, so, the social realm, was, works mostly from the outside towards the inside. It works by establishing customs and laws and institutions and then enforcing them by law. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, if I don't pay my taxes, if I don't uh, do my job on the given deadline, I'll suffer some punishment. I can lose my job. I can be fined. I can go into to prison. But you cannot coerce someone to be good. You cannot coerce someone to love. Yes, you may do certain things to avoid punishment, but moral goodness cannot be imposed. It needs to be awakened. It needs to come from within. Yes, it may require that some compromised areas of my spirit, my soul, be healed by the Lord before I can do that, but 
ultimately, it needs to be awakened, cannot be commanded from above. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. You know, I was reminded uh, of this opera, Turandot, where the law of the land, the, the emperor said this law, if someone, if there's any person who can guess this triple riddle, he will, he will be, have the right to marry my daughter, the princess Turandot. Well, eventually someone comes, Prince Calaf comes, and he guesses, the, he solves the triple riddle. And so by law, he is entitled to marry Turandot. And then Turandot breaks down and she starts crying. She says, I don't know this man, I don't love him, cannot marry him. And Prince Calaf has this reaction. He realizes, well, it's true, I don't want to marry someone who doesn't love me. It's true that the law of the land says that she has to marry me, but I, I cannot force that. And so he creates this other counter challenge by which she has to, she can get out of the deal. But eventually through that whole thing, she falls in love with him. Okay, so in again, Calaf is winning time for her to know him and fall in love. But the insight is good. I cannot force someone to love me. That needs to be awakened. So that our law in society can do many important things. It can coerce or prevent behaviors that are really bad, but it cannot create goodness. That goodness has to come from some other place, and that comes from the kind of leadership that Jesus has, from Christ the King. Uh, he came, Jesus came to restore our moral goodness, and we need that always in society. You know, we still need political leadership, we need good economic measures, good policies, but above all, we need someone like Christ, our King. It's something that He's the one that can restore that moral goodness, and then that's the kind of the oil, the fuel that any society needs in order to function. Well, let me offer, conclude with this practical takeaway. It's been said that there's a distinction between the area of concern and the area of influence. There are so many issues out there that we are concerned about. You read the news, you hear what people are talking about, and we are concerned about so many things that are challenging in our world today. So we have this huge area of many big issues. However, I don't have any say in a lot of them. There's many issues in which I have no control of what will happen. They are beyond me, right? But there is an area of influence. There is an area in which we are kings and queens. There's an area where I can organize according to God's will my relationships, my thoughts, my schedule, my room. So the practical thing is don't get so wrapped up in the area of concern that you neglect to tend the area of influence. Make sure that you can pray for the bigger issues, but then focus on what you can do to organize the balance in your life, the things you have, your schedule, your relationships. And don't think that this is escaping the real problems because, you know, the big problems are an accumulation of smaller ones. If we all had better balancing how, what the things we buy, the things we do, the things we choose, a lot of big problems would be very much solved. So it's not an, an evasion. It's actually tackling what we can address and organize. 
So how does the leadership of Christ make a difference for you? How does he lead you to moral goodness? How does he want to lead you to a greater goodness? How is Jesus leading you in a way that no one else could? Only him. May we pray. Father, in sending us your son, you gave us the perfect model of a shepherd after your, your own heart. Teach me how to be a good steward of the things I own and I manage and how to be a good leader over those you have entrusted to my, to my care. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.